the book of the Nazarim and the book of John the Enlightened of Elohim were included together in a text known as the Gospel of the Kaleidi, meaning wise strangers. The origins of this work are debated, as no original manuscripts have ever been found. However, it is commonly believed that the books were preserved and passed down by Celtic believers in the 1500s after previously being saved from arson, possibly either the burning of the Library of Alexandra or the Glastonbury Abbey fire in 1184. It has been tucked away alongside a secular work known as the Colburn. However, they don't remotely share any similarities. Whether this is a complete and divinely inspired text can certainly be debated. Nevertheless, we do believe that it contains the words from our Messiah that were not captured in the canonical gospel accounts. As stated by the Apostle John, if everything the Messiah did were recorded, all of the books in the world could not contain them. In this volume, you will find astonishing parables, new and old, that will challenge your walk. Join us as we test this book, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide us unto what is true. Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Book of Nazarim study. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is part nine, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week in chapter eight, verse nine. Before we do, let's get started with a quick prayer, and we will get into it. Father Yah Most High, we just come before you and bless you in your son, Yahushua's name. Father, we thank you for uh, your word, which is a lamp to our feet. We just ask that your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, would guide us and keep us in your way, Father, that we may be faithful hearers and doers. In Messiah Husha's name we pray and bless you. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Best day of the week. We're here. Okay. Uh, road Shofar, and we'll get started. Okay, Book of Nazarim. Actually, we stopped at verse 8 last week, and I actually just want to pick back up at verse 8. I thought it was just really interesting, and I think cuts right to the heart of, of a lot of the problem today of the what we call spiritual apathy out there. And it says this, this is chapter 8, verse 8, Going to the temple makes no one good unless goodness is already established in their hearts. No truly good man could serve the Father devotedly for an hour and then turn his back on him for the rest of the day. Ouch. I think this cuts right to the heart of, in my opinion, mainstream Christianity, at least just what the kind of the norm is. You go, you know, and, and I think this could easily read this. Listen to this. I think this could easily read this way. Going to church makes no one good unless goodness is already established in their hearts. No truly good man could serve the Father devotedly for an hour and then turn his back on him, well, I'd say for the rest of the week. Uh, at least is, that's uh, what I've seen. And um, wow, does that cut right to the heart. And so long story short, the father is not looking for weekend warriors, let alone one hour a day warriors. I think he's looking for people who are wholly devoted to him. Like their whole lives are offered up to him as a living sacrifice, as Roman 12 talks about. So 
and and that's just in general this walk and some some of you that are new this is not some part-time deal this is a your whole life thing your whole life should be dedicated to him even though you know part of the day is reserved for work hours and family hours your whole purpose of life should be serving him that's your overall goal i think i believe is what he's looking for so that finished that Again, that's uh, just touching back with where we ended up with last week. And here we are, verse 9 in chapter 8. Yahushua went outside to where there was an open space surrounded by trees. And here a crowd started to gather around him. While he was speaking, a man pushed through in distress and, coming close to Yahushua, begged him to come and save his young daughter. Yahushua said, I will go to her immediately after I leave here. And... Uh, just, you know, in the book of Not Serene, we get these little extra details that to me just reveals a little bit more of the life and character of our Messiah, who we're supposed to emulate, we're supposed to be like. And what I see here is someone who cares for the needs of the people. I mean, just even just the addition of the word immediately. I don't know. I just, I, I love it. I love it. I, that was a mixture of like and love. I love it. Matthew 10, 7 through 14. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come out, I'm sorry, when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house, shake off the dust of your feet. It doesn't say have a uh, big argument, conversation with them. Just plant your seed and move on. But the point I read, the, the reason I read this is because we just, again, like we talked about it last week. Just um, the tenderness that we see this that we see from Messiah in this book. It's it's just a little more evident than we see in the Gospels. I think it's very clear that we can tell that Messiah was a caring um, king, high priest, master, whatever you want to call him, uh, leader. How about we'll go with that? But here, it's like the, in this book, just a little extra details. Like when he was healing Peter's mother last week, and he it said he was stroking her hand. He was gentle. He was kind. Um, loving and so these are just things that we can keep in the toolbox here and say you know what maybe i can be a little more loving and gentle and kind and uh, you know caring for the people and that's why the reason i read this is we're also supposed to preach the kingdom of heaven being at hand we're supposed to heal the sick now of course the healing isn't isn't like power isn't like what it, the power comes from him uh cleansing the lepers raising the dead casting out devils uh, and you know I know that I've seen Yah do miracles, move miracles, especially with healing people and things like that. It's very possible that we may be on the verge of what we, what we saw in the book of Acts and, and the, the kind of power that was given to the apostles. Now, I will say, uh, maybe the Most High is just waiting for us to be in a position where he can trust us with fully with these, with these kind of miracles. Um, because, well, I don't think these things would be given lightly. Because they, they would be given, I, I believe they'd be given to people who would use them for the right reasons, not for vainglory or self-gain or um, fame or popularity, but at the core of it, just to help people, to have a desire 
to care and love on people. And that's what we see from Messiah, and that's just the kind of people we should be. So just wanted to men make mention of that. So let's keep going. Uh, Book of Not Stream, chapter 8, verse 10. Now a leper stood apart from the crowd, and Yahusha went over to him, saying, Do you want to be made well? The man answered, Oh, Master, you could make me a new man if you would only... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You could make me a new man if you would only will it to be so. Praise Yah. I want to read this also about healing people, cleansing the lepers. This is a passage from 2 Esdras chapter 2. Just in case you're new, 2 Esdras was part of the Apocrypha. Uh, it was considered scripture for a very long time, but was removed out of the Bible, out of our Bibles about 125 years ago or so. 225 years ago. Okay, 2 Esdras 20, 2 Esdras 2, 20-23. Guard the rights of the widow, secure justice for the fatherless, give to the needy, defend the orphan, clothe the naked, care for the injured and the weak, do not ridicule a lame man, protect the maimed, and let the blind man have a vision of my splendor. Protect the old and the young within your walls, and when you find any who are dead, Commit them to the grave and mark it, and I will give you the first place in my resurrection. So what did we just read here? We need to take care of the weak, the orphan, the needy, and of course the sick, the injured. And so we're just continuing to see this here. But he, what I love about this is this leper just has great faith. He says, oh, master, you can make me a new man if you'd only will it to be so. And... Uh, I mean, that's what Messiah says here, Messiah, uh, Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. There's there's a difference, and, and hopefully um, you all know by now, there's a difference of prayer like, oh, you know, I hope it can be done, or just knowing that he can just answer that prayer. And I'm talking to myself here because I could really improve with just in prayer time, just believing like let's just let's, let's just um, use healing for example when you're praying over someone just when you're praying just believing and and just and just seeing the results in your mind just knowing he can do it um i just i that's i believe that's what he's asking us to do just know that it can be done like oh i know not like oh well maybe you can heal if if you know if you if you want to and no i i know that you can do this father we believe it can be done so just basics of our faith faith. Nazarene 8, 11. Yahushua touched him, and the man's affliction began to depart. Yahushua said to him, go to a priest, taking the prescribed offering of your cleansing, and he will testify to the cure. Those about said among themselves, he heals unlike other holy men, for those he cures seems to be filled with a strange form of vigor. He's, Messiah was just a little different from the rest. He was, well, set apart from the rest. And we see that also with his teaching, Mark 1, 21 through 22. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe. So his teachings was just a little different. It was different than the cookie-cutter mainstream norm. And I think that's why there's a good group of people. It's not the masses by any means, but I think there's a growing group of people that are not 
that see the difference of uh, of a teaching of the whole gospel. The, in, in, in short, to me, how I understand that is that um, the Father, through his Son, created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. And that the Father sent his Son to die for our sins and those that believe in him, uh, that uh, in the resurrection and, and the forgiveness at the cross with the, his blood, um, that we are also given the opportunity to, to be freed from our sins, from the bondage of it, and being baptized. We're, we're in his likeness of his death and raised afresh uh, and in the likeness of the resurrection, but given the Holy Spirit to help us walk and to be empowered to do the things that Messiah did. Heal the broken, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, teach the, the coming of the kingdom. So I believe that's why people are being drawn to the full gospel because, well, from what I've heard from a lot of you, where you come from, churches, wherever, it was void of the spirit, void of the truth. It's dead. So his teachings, his healings were set apart from, from the rest. And we also need to be set apart from the crowds. People, we need to stick out and people need to be like, whoa, what? What are you into? Like, what's your denomination? What do you believe? Ah, let me tell you. Uh, Nazarene 8, 13. As Yahushua went back into the gathering, a centurion came up to him and said, I have heard of your powers from many people, and my son is at home and in great pain. Will you kindly heal him? And for this, I will be forever grateful. Yahushua said, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, My house is a very humble place and hardly fit for you to enter. Just command it, and I know the boy will be cured, for I trust you. I who give and take orders know the power of command. Yahushua was surprised to hear these words, and turning to those who followed him said, Nowhere in the land have I seen faith such as this. Believe me, many will come from the east and the west, thinking to sit among our forefathers in the kingdom of the Ruach, but many who are heirs to this kingdom, having forfeited their heritage, will be found outside the gates and there will be weeping and wailing. Something that uh, we've been talking quite a bit is that his kingdom is not just going to be filled with bloodline, those of the bloodline lineage. I think we talked about this last week, didn't we? That just because people are physical descendants of Abraham or even of the 12 tribes, that doesn't gain you entrance. That doesn't make you a son of Elohim at this time. There's a passage uh, also in um, 2 Ezra 1 that I like to share regarding this. And it, to me, I believe it speaks to this generation right now, where we are right now. 2 Ezra 1, 33-40. Thus says El Shaddai, that's Yah Almighty, Your house is desolate. I will drive you out as the wind drives straw. He's talking about the physical descendants. And your sons will have no children because with you they have neglected my commandment and have done what is evil in my sight. I will give your houses to a people that will come who without having heard me will believe. Those to whom I have shown no signs will do what I have commanded. They have seen no prophets yet will recall their former state, uh, a.k.a. repentance. I call to witness the gratitude of the people that is to come whose children rejoice with gladness, though they do not see me with bodily eyes, yet with the spirit, with the ruach, they will believe the things that I have said. And this is, to me, this is very parallel to the centurion. Like, this centurion, he's like, 
this centurion is not one of the you know the, the Jews, the Yahudim who grew up with the faith and whatnot, but this guy simply heard of this centurion, simply heard of what Messiah's miracles. He's like, I believe, I believe, I know you can do this. And he's like, I, and Messiah's like, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. But in any case, there's a group of people in the last days who will come to him, come to his ways. Uh, haven't seen, we haven't seen Isaiah and, and Jeremiah, and, and though we can read either these books, you know, we believe them in the Spirit, and we believe the things that he said in the Torah for our everlasting instructions. We believe that, hey, this is to be done. Your ways are to be kept, O Yahuwah. I call to witness the gratitude of the people that is to come, whose children rejoice with gladness, though they do not see me with bodily eyes. Yet with the Spirit they will believe the things I have said. And now, Father, look with pride and see the people coming from the east. To them I will give as leaders Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How about that? How about how about being led by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Praise Yah. I'm looking forward to those teachings, especially like on the calendar and stuff like that, right? And Hosea and Amos and Micah and Joel and Obadiah and Jonah and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, who was also called the messenger of Yahuwah. But again, this just points to a generation, which I believe is now, that as I've, I've said in uh, multiple times, you know, with all the confusion going on around us and all the temptations and all the lies and deceit, it's almost like it almost technically on paper, it seems impossible that a group of hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are coming out of false doctrines and coming back to his way. It's almost impossible. But that's how you know it's from Abba. That's how you know it's from Yah, that he is, his message is going out, his doctrine is going forth, and some people are listening and some people are not. But nevertheless, what also, of course, uh, what we really see here is the great faith of, um, we see the great faith of this centurion who is like, you just say it be done, it'll be done. And uh, again, just the, the heart of faith. Um, it says here, it says, Many will come from the east and the west, thinking to sit among our forefathers in the kingdom of the Ruach, but many who are heirs to this kingdom, having forfeited their heritage, will be found outside the gates there weeping and wailing. And so this isn't just about him rejecting physical descendants who, well, have been broken off due to unbelief in Messiah. We know that anyone, any any of the physical lineage can repent and believe on Messiah and, and be grafted back into the olive tree as we read about in Romans 11. But not only would they be rejected at, at the gate, but also I believe those that... Um, I think it's very clear in Matthew seven twenty one through 23 when he says, uh, uh, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, um, open to us. Have we not prophesied in your name and in your name have cast out devils and in your name have done many wonderful works? And Messiah says, I never knew you. Away from me, you workers of lawlessness, iniquity. Um, so he says it, not me, that he's going to reject them at the gate because it says here, uh, having uh, many who are heirs of this kingdom, having forfeited their heritage, will be found outside the gates, and there will be weeping and wailing. And what's what's the heritage? Deuteronomy thirty three four says Moses commanded us a law, the Torah, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Different uh, different translations uh, translate this as um, heritage. Um, I'll show you in Ecclesiasticus Sirach, uh, it says that specifically. 
uh, Ecclesiastes 17.11 says, Beside this, he gave them knowledge and the law of life for a heritage. So people that have uh, forfeited their heritage will be found outside the gates and there will be weeping and willing. And this is um, I, this is how Yah talks to us. He says, um, Hear little, there, there little, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, hear little, there little, line upon line, line upon line, hear little, there little. So it's like, this is how, it's like the whole story isn't found in one book. It's a little trace here, a little trace there. So, but in any case, I thought this was a pretty profound statement. People who have forfeited their heritage, which to me is very clear, is the law of life, the Torah of life, the Torah of the living, the instructions for living um, for a heritage. So let's keep going. Um, not Matthew, book of Nazarene, chapter 8, verse 16. Then Yahushua said to the centurion, Go home, my friend. Because of your faith, I will not disappoint you. Then Yahushua gave the centurion a piece of metal, saying, Place this beside the boy. And from that time, the boy began to recover. So this piece of metal, uh, I'm sure some people might have some issue with that. Um, I will say, um, I don't think Messiah was healing with this piece of metal. But um, I will say that, that to me, I immediately thought of like, how sometimes uh, metals are good in healing for the body, uh, i.e. Uh, colloidal silver. If you haven't heard about colloidal silver, uh, it used to be the main form of uh, antibacterial, um, I believe antifungal. Um, but uh, before the, uh, the, early, uh, the early 1900s when um, the Rothschilds and the Morgans and the Chases kind of took over the medical industry. They demonized things like colloidal silver and in favor for, of course, their uh, disruptive and damaging pharmaceuticals that uh, have prevailed even to this day. So, Nazarene chapter 8, verse 17, In the crowd which pressed around Yahushua was a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years, whom no one had been able to cure. Coming up behind Yahushua, she prayed silently to, silently to herself and touched him on the back. At once, the woman began to feel comfortable and relieved. But Yahushua knew the healing power had been drawn from him in an unexpected outsurge. Turning to the disciples in the crowd who stood guard, he asked who had touched him. Kepha, or Peter, who was there, said, How can we know? The crowd presses so close we can hardly control them. The woman, hearing this and fearful for what she had done, came forward and fell on her knees before Yahushua, confessing her guilt. He raised her up gently. Let's see, just these little, little, little nuggets here. Raised her up gently, saying, My daughter, it is not the power in me alone. Listen to this, but your faith has opened a door whereby it poured out to effect a cure. Be at peace in your heart, for the complaint will trouble you no more. I like this. Your faith has opened a door. Uh, again, these just little descriptors that make to me make these things a lot clearer in my mind of maybe how they work in the um, heavenly realm or spiritual realm, if you will. We see some similar things here in an opposite way. Matthew 13, 54 through 58. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things? Like where, where does this come from? And they were offended in him. They're like, I don't know where you, I don't, I don't it, it's like, 
it's like when people don't understand, they'll just reject it sometimes. Like, so they didn't understand. They're like, he's just a normal person. He grew up with us. But Yahushua said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And listen to this. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It's like the power of Yah meets the faith and those two synergize to make things happen. I want another example. Mark 6, 3 through 6. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Yahushua said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Now listen to this. Now this just may be improper translation wording but here it's a little more descriptive it says and he could there do no mighty work say that he laid his hands on a on a few sick folk and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and went round about the villages teaching so uh, i think we can reason together and agree that he can do whatever he wants yah can do whatever he wants and but at the same time it says we have a couple witnesses here that without the faith the work isn't done. It's not It's not because he can't, because he can do anything even for people who are unbelieving. But I believe that this is how his kingdom is supposed to work and should work. And this is the standard operating procedures, if you will, SOP. Um, that, again, the power of Yah meets the faith and those two come together for the, for the results. Praise be to you for the miracle, if you will. So anyways, I again, I just liked the way it was worded here. But your faith has opened a door whereby it poured out effect to a cure. Be at peace in your heart for the complaint will trouble you no, no more. So um, thinking about the open door, just reminded me of Revelation here, verse 3. The end of the verse seven and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things says he that is holy he that is true he that has the key of David he that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens I know your works behold I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it for you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name which reminds me of Romans eight thirty five through thirty nine and he asked the question who shall separate us from the love of Messiah Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Elohim which is in Messiah Yahushua our master. So in a different way, again this is kind of unrelated because he's saying here uh, in Natsarim that we are able to open a door uh, to meet the you know to meet the the, uh, the door of faith to meet the healing but here uh, I just wanted to uh, just remind us that nothing can re shut that door that he's opened for us to have uh, well um, for lack of better terms to to abide together we abide in him and he abides in us and um, the one thing that this passage doesn't cover is ourselves and I've always I've always understood that nothing no outside force can take us from the love of Messiah but we ourselves of course uh, because we have free will can remove ourselves 
um, if that's the choice. And of course, obviously, if we're sitting here listening to this, none of us are even anywhere close to that kind of decision. Uh, but of course, we've seen people that have fallen away. And um, th- that's just kind of a quick response to this because literally no outside force can, can take you from the love of Messiah. However, your own lusts, your own thoughts, your own desires uh, can, of course, and in, in the hardness of one's heart can take him away. But, of course, brothers and sisters, we are not them uh, that will walk away. And I think uh, that's a good reference for Hebrews 10, uh, which says... Um, It says, now the, the, this is Hebrews 10, 38 through 39. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, which is what I was talking about, people, we can't be taken away from the love of Messiah, but we can take ourselves back, and that would be in someone if they drew, drew back. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, but we're talking, we're, we're speaking right now, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Walk in it, believe it, praise be to Yah. All right, so let's uh, let's go back to Nazarim chapter eight, verse twenty. After this, Yehusha needed a rest, and while doing so, a servant came bearing a message to the man whose daughter had been ill, telling him she had died. Yehusha, overhearing what was said, called the man to him and said, "Do not upset yourself. Just trust me and wait a while, and we will go together." Yehusha then bid the crowd remain where it was and went with the father and his servant accompanied by three disciples. When they arrived at the man's house, mourners had already started the wailing of the laments and Yehusha rebuked them for making such a noise when the girl was only sleeping, for he had sent his ruach before him. The mourners said, what kind of fool is this? Ordering them outside, Yehusha accompanied by the parents and two disciples entered the room where the child was laying. Taking her hands, Yehusha said, Wake up, my little one. And after a while, she gave a great breath. Later, opening her eyes, she smiled and soon got up. The parents were overcome, but when they recovered, Yehusha told them to keep their own counsel and to attend to the child. It's kind of interesting. Maybe something uh, we'd love to hear from you all in the comments. It says he went, uh, I didn't actually just notice this until just now. Um, he went with three disciples. And then when he went into the room, he only went with two disciples. Maybe one of the disciples he left to handle the crowd who was, well, obviously being somewhat not the nicest. What kind of fool is this? And then later on it says, Yahusha told them, the parents, to keep their own counsel and to attend to the child. Maybe he's like, you don't need to be listened to the words of these mockers. I'm not sure. Um, but keeping your own counsel reminded me it's a little little off topic little on, on subject here um it reminded me of a pa- a great passage in Sirach chapter six about getting counsel and friendship and true friendship really who you can trust who you can't um uh, this this passage here is um i, I can tell you is is 100 percent true I've, I've lived a lot of these verses uh out in my life with people around me Sirach six five through seventeen a pleasant voice multiplies friends, and a gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. Let those that are at peace with you be many. But listen to this, but let your advisors be one in a thousand. You got to really trust who you're getting counsel from. Now, I know the book of Proverbs, it says in the multitude of the counselors there is safety, but I'm willing to imagine that those are trusted and proven counselors. Probably like the kind of counselors that David had at his table. 
Well, anyways, but let your advisors be one in a thousand. When you gain a friend, gain him through testing and do not trust him hastily. For there is a friend who is such at his own convenience, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. And there is a friend who changes into an enemy and will disclose a quarrel to your disgrace. And there is a friend who is a table companion, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. And your prosperity, he will make himself your equal and be bold with your servants. But if you are brought low, he will turn against you and will hide himself from your presence. Keep yourself far from your enemies and be on guard toward your friends. A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter, and he that has found one has found a treasure. There is nothing so precious as a faithful friend, and no scales can measure his excellence. A faithful friend is an elixir of life, and those who fear Yahuwah will find him. Whoever fears Yahuwah directs his friendships aright, for as he is, so is his neighbor also. I think it's just good life advice. Okay, let's get back to Nazarim 8.23. When they had left, Jacob, one of the disciples, asked, Why are some brought back to life and others not? This is a good question because we talked about this, I think, in part one or part two, about like why did he heal some and not heal others? But anyways, Yahushua answered, Did I not say this one only slept? There was a time appointed for dying, which we read about in the— uh, If you want to read about what happens when you die and the appointment of death— there's no other better chapter than 2nd Esdras chapter 7. 2nd Esdras chapter 7. So anyways, there is an appointed time for dying. And the Ruachot, the spirits of men, keep their appointments. I work with the Torah of life, not against it. When they arrived back at the place where the crowd was gathered, there was a man lying in their midst with a greatly swollen leg, which had crippled him for many years. He said to Yahushua, Master, I have been a sinful man and have been punished. Yahushua said, Be of good heart, for your suffering has compensated your misdeeds. And let me tell you something. Um, these last two verses um, have really been life-changing for me in my my state of mind. Um some of you know that have that have that know me personally locally or have been to feast days um you've seen that i've had a i've had a condition that i've been dealing with for the last 20 years stemming from a, a surgery i had in the military and um i'm still waiting for that 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 full healing and i know it's coming one day i do believe it um but in the meantime it's like i i just i, I read this and it says here there was a man lying in their midst with a greatly swollen leg, which had crippled him for many years. He said to Yahushua, Master, I have been a sinful man and have been punished. And it, just in case you're new, uh, I, I've shared this as often as I can because I don't want anyone to have a, a misrepresentation of who I am and where I've come from. Um, I, I led a very sinful life. My story is very similar to the prodigal son um, that just wasted his life away on riotous living. And I can freely admit that uh, to really it, it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame uh, um, to me into my um, my earlier years. But it's a glory unto Yahuwah who is great in mercy and forgiveness and long suffering. Um, don't even deserve to be alive right now. But because I walk this um I've had just intense pain for the last 20 years. Um, I, I can see this right here. Master, I've been a sinful man and have been punished. The punishment, of course, is that pain. Yahushua said, be, a, be of good heart for your suffering has compensated for your misdeeds. So those of you out there that may have a similar story to me of just debilitating pain or, or sickness or sorrow or, or whatever the ailment is, um, 
It says here, be of good heart, be of good heart for your suffering has compensated for your misdeeds. And that really just helped me to uh, understand it a lot better. Uh, because I think a lot of us think that when we come to salvation, you know, belief in Messiah, that everything just goes away. Um, at least that's, you know, how maybe how some of us are taught with um, uh, our upbringings. Or that when even when you come to the truth of the Torah, the commandments, and you feel like everything's just going to be restored right then and there. But, of course, Yah has his timing in everything. Uh, Psalm 119.71, it is good for, me, good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And... Uh, for me, that's that sings to my heart, and the, the study is not just about me, but I know there's other people like me, so I really want to take the time and share this, especially for those that may have just stumbled across this video and did not watch part one or two where we, we covered this. Um, I know, at least for me, that it was the intense pain that got me to seek the Father. It was, it was seeing the evil of this world, of course, and, and just for me, it's like, you know, loss pain, um, sorrow got me to seek him. Jeremiah 30 verse 11, for I am with you, says Yahweh, to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a full end of you. But listen to this, but I will correct you in measure and I will not leave you altogether unpunished. And that's what a good father does. A good father corrects and trains. Jeremiah 30, 15, why do you cry for your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable for the multitude of your iniquity, of your transgressions, your lawlessness. Because your sins were increased, I have done these things unto you. And some people who are mockers and scoffers would be like, you want to serve that? You want to serve that God that inflicted you with pain? <laughs> how how nice of him. And I say, yeah, I do. And yes, praise be to Yah. Because I'll just read a small snippet from Hebrews 12, which is quoting Proverbs, which says this, verse 6, For whom Yahweh loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If ye endure chastening, Elohim deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. And those of us that have children and and hopefully have been doing a, have been, um, attempting a concerted effort to truly raise our children the right way, teaching them the commandments, teaching them about the faith, teaching them about mercy, teaching them about life. And, and, and of course, when they mess up, there's, there's correction because hopefully we can understand at this point that the Torah is good for us. The commandments are good for us. And, and, and when we break these commandments, there is uh, repercussions. There is, uh, though there may be forgiveness, there's still consequences to our actions. And if we just let our children off on everything and never correct them, never punish them, never chastise them, um, though on the surface, at least in the world that we live in right now, may seem like that's just you know a, a, just a nice way of dealing with them. Uh, I I'm here to say that that's hating them. It's not loving them because if we're not teaching them, if we're not correcting them and guiding their feet, continuing the path, well, their end is destruction. And that's not that's not love. So in in a much greater sense, of course, our Father loves us and corrects us and chastises us. And so that's how I can, uh, with great uh, confidence, read this and says, There was a man lying in their midst with a greatly swollen leg, which had crippled him for many years. He said to Yahushua, Master, I have been a sinful man and have been punished. And Yahushua says, Be of good heart, for your suffering has compensated for your misdeeds. So again, I just want to finish with this um, thought process that 
If there's those those of you out there that are um, crippled or bedridden or in pain or suffering or, or uh, you know, and, and, and this deliverance has not been found yet, just dwell, dwell on this, that it may not be time yet. Um, there's a passage in chapter 3 of the Book of Nazarene, chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, that I want to read real quick. Uh, and for those of you that may be following along the PDF, uh, page 35 of the PDF, not page 35 of the book, that doesn't line up. Uh, so chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, says this. So the, uh, again, the original question of this was, um, why are some brought back to life and others not? And in this also sense, why are, where it says here, he healed many saying, it is not I, but the power from above with me. And some of the disciples said, it is truly he who heals, but he did not cure all. For in some, it created a disturbance, while many were not cured because this would have done them more harm than good. And so maybe, you know, for me and for others, there's still more refinement. There's still more um, good to come out of it because as crazy as it sounds, um, I can look back at every time, like the the, the thing that I have, it, it, it comes and goes. There's uh, There's flare-ups if you will and some last week some last months and as as crazy as it sounds I, I don't hate the pain number one because I believe it's a big part of my testimony and and the father knows me and knew that I just needed straight up excruciating pain to call out to him maybe that's how hard-hearted and stubborn I was um, but I can look back and like every time I grow through these trying trying times of excruciating pain something really good comes out of it uh, the my faith increases um understanding increases or or uh, like i remember one time i was in bed for like i don't know like a whole month and i was like well i want to make good use out of this and i picked up the guitar and i started playing and and um the my my love for music and desire to create music to yahweh was born out of that affliction and so um as i've stated several times in the past we just need a mind shift of when trials or persecutions come up, uh, upon us. It's not that our, our our first reaction should be like, why me? It shouldn't, I'm saying it should not be like, why me? And oh, you just pick it on me and you never. But it, it should be more like, praise ya. Just like Joe praised him when he lost everything, including all of his children like that. You know, his wife was like, just curse Elohim and die. And he's like, are we going to thank him only for the good? Do we not thank him for the bad also? And so it just takes a, a complete mind shift to recognize that he's right above us, sitting above the circle of the earth, looking at all of our doings, all of our actions, all of our behaviors, all of our reactions, and um, that life is, uh, what is it, what does Messiah say in this book? He says, earth has two... Um, what is it? Two uh, Earth has two. Um, hold on. Uh, perfect. Let me see here. There we go. It says life has two purposes only: to test and to teach, and for that earth is perfect hopefully you're picking up what i'm putting down okay let's keep going nazarene 8 27 
Some nearby who were hostile towards Yahusha, hearing this, said, This is blasphemous talk, Over, overhearing what was said. Yahusha turned to them and replied, Talk such as this is cheap and serves no end. It takes more than a wagging tongue to effect cures. Then Yahusha said to the man on the ground, Arise and go your way. Thereupon he got up and walked, and the people being amazed and giving thanks that such powers could be manifested among them. Yahusha then left and returned to the house of Kepha. And when he arrived, found several Parashim, Pharisees, waiting outside. And they said, We hear you have much wisdom. What is the basis of your teaching? What sign can you give of your authority? Or what proof so we can believe? Moshe provided heavenly bread when our people starved in the wilderness, and by his deeds we know him to be a true prophet. A disciple said, He has just healed four people. But the Parashim, the Pharisees, replied, There are others who heal. This power is not unique in him. Then Yahushua said, Must you have proof and be given signs to believe? Surely this would take all merit from belief. As for Moshe, I assure you, he did not provide bread from heaven when he fed those who starved in the wilderness. Through me, Yahweh will send down the bread of heaven, which nourishes the world. And this uh, this statement I, I really appreciate. This this takes us back to what we were reading a little earlier in First Esdras, where he was like, "Look at the people to come." Oh, where are we? Um, I will give your houses to a people that will come who without having heard me will believe. Those to whom I've showed no signs will do what I've commanded. Now, I, again, I'm not saying that he hasn't shown us signs today, uh, especially with um, different miracles he does for us. But I think we're talking about these miracles like manna coming down from heaven, the Red Sea parting, um, the plagues, the three days of darkness and all the Israelites. I mean, those kind of signs, I think, is what he's talking about. Not like you prayed about a certain thing and he did it. We all experienced that, or hopefully we've all experienced that. And if we haven't, uh, just continue to pray and he will He will answer. He will deliver you, of course, if, if it is a righteous prayer and according to his will. But I love this here. Must you have proof to be given and, and give, be given signs to believe? Surely this would take all merit from belief. And so this points me back to this generation, which I believe is especially blessed in that we don't have uh, like Isaiah's and Jeremiah's walking around and, um, we don't have like Elijah's and Elisha's walking around. Um, we don't have, even though Messiah is here uh, in, this, in, in, in the in the in the um, spiritual sense uh, or in a figurative sense, he's not walking around and, and, and showing all these things. And so I believe that there's a extra measure of faith and, and blessedness that's given to a people that have not been shown these signs. So again, must you have proof and be given signs to believe? Surely this would take all merit from belief but anyways uh it says here he says through me yahweh will send down the bread of heaven which nourishes the world and in um i think it's john 6 and i think we'll read it in a bit um this whole the rest of this passage we're going to read in chapter 8 finishing up chapter 8 i believe is a parallel that runs right alongside uh john chapter 6 which we'll read that version as well and in, in john 6 we see clearly that he is the bread and see in this one it says through me Yahweh will send down the bread of heaven which nourishes the world in John 6 it says I am the, the bread uh, from heaven which he is the manna he is the sustainment uh, of our lives uh, here in the wilderness and, and I believe spiritually we're in the wilderness being tested uh, much like the Israelites and uh, 
So let's let's keep a tab on those complaints there and uh, and whispers um, and backbiting. But the point is, is that he is that bread. We know that physical bread uh, nourishes our body and it's the it's the beginning of strength for our body. Uh, But for a spiritual sense, for our soul, his word is that nourishment for it. And uh, verse 32 of Not Stream, chapter 8, Therefore, when working to support yourself, so he's talking about this bread, which nourishes the world. Therefore, when working to support yourselves, do not overlook the need for the bread of heaven, which nourishes the Ruach. For men cannot live by mortal, mortal bread alone. Strive less for perishable food and more for the food of eternal life. So he's recognizing that we have to work to support ourselves. And we've, we've talked about this in previous um, chapters. Very powerful stuff. Because I think a lot of, not a lot of people, there's a, there's a portion of people that are waking up and being like, well, the money system is tainted, so we've got to just, we, we can't have jobs anymore. And uh, that road gets very, very interesting um, and, and, yeah, full of lots of snares. So Messiah says, when working to support yourselves. So you are going to work to support yourselves. Now, does that mean you have to have a 9-to-5 job with a W-2? No, of course not. But it is ordained for man to work, to support. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your bread. And of course, that comes in many different forms. Anyways, when working to support yourselves, don't overlook the need for the bread of heaven. So there's two different types of bread, bread for the physical and bread for the spiritual or for the for the soul. So he's saying, don't overlook that. And there's a passage in Isaiah 55 that is just perfect, uh, perfect parallel for this. Before we read that, though, uh, I want to recognize Deuteronomy 32 two says, my doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. So his doctrine is likened to the rain that go that comes down and nourishes plant life and makes the plant life grow. Without that water, it won't grow. Much in the same way his doctrine, without his true doctrine, we cannot grow. So with that being established, and with what Messiah is talking about here, not overlooking the bread from heaven which nourishes the Ruach, for man cannot live by mortal bread alone. And he's talking, of course, about eternal life. Cannot live with just eating the bread, the physical bread. So Isaiah 55, ho, or listen, everyone that's thirsty, come ye to the waters. And he that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore, or why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfies not now he's going to tell you what satisfies. Hearken diligently unto me. Listen carefully or diligently unto me. And eat you that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here. And your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. And so this is directly a call for us to be highly attentive to his word. And not just be hearers but doers of the same for those Romans 2.13, not the hearers, but the doers of the Torah will be justified in his sight. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, Messiah, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, you shall call a nation that you know not and nations that knew not you shall run unto you because of Yahweh your Elohim. This is again also reflecting on what we read in 2 Ezra 1 about driving out the physical descendants who hated him because he, they didn't keep his commandments. And he's talking about calling a people who didn't know him, who haven't not heard him, would believe. 
So nations that knew not you shall run unto you because of Yahweh your Elohim and for the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek you, Yahweh, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto Yahweh, and he will have mercy upon him and to our Elohim, and he will abundantly pardon. And I am a witness to how merciful and how abundantly he has pardoned me and many of the testimonies I've heard from those of you out there. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says Yahuwah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, so he now he's giving you a parable. So just like the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not there, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth in bud, so making plant life come to life and to grow, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eaters. So he's talking about just like the rain comes down and nourishes that wheat that comes up that you are able to eat for bread. Listen to this. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. So instead of a uh, somewhat useless uh, plant shall come up a very useful tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. So instead of these brambles and thorns and thistles that are not uh, real fruit-bearing plants, I know they're useful in certain ways like milk thistle and whatnot, that's not what I'm talking about, but shall come up the myrtle tree, a very useful tree. And it shall be to Yahuwah for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And Matthew six thirty one through 33, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be we clothed? And so again, just to pause real quick, the, the context of what we're studying in the book of Nazarene says, Therefore, when you're working to support yourselves, do not overlook the need for the bread of heaven, which nourishes the Ruach. For man cannot live by mortal bread alone. Strive less for perishable food and more for the food of eternal life. So, Again, here we are. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? What are we going to clothe ourselves with? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So, like as I said before, Messiah recognized that we need to work to support ourselves. And no one's discounting that. But Messiah is saying that I think our lives are being the, the, the compass of our life, the direction of where we're going should be kingdom minded. That should be the forefront of our minds as um, us. Um, and I'm, right now I'm talking to us men um, directly, us men as the leaders of the home to lead our families or just if it's just us or our children or our whole families in righteousness. Uh, and, and, and even though you have to work and, and do these different things, still the compass of your life, everything should be, every decision we make should be through the compass of the kingdom. Like, for example, this is just, it might be a weak example, but just an example. Like, let's say uh, you've got to find a new job and you're stressed about money and, 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 and you know bills are due and blah, blah, blah. Um, but let's say you find the perfect job, but they don't let you have Shabbat off. 
I believe that we should be kingdom-minded. The focus of our life should be serving the Father first and foremost. That may be a test for you. To, if you're going to take that job and, and esteem esteem the money and the necessity for money higher than the kingdom. Uh, and that's, that may, again, it might not be a great example. Um, and there's certainly so many different examples of, of your lives out there that there, I, don't, I couldn't speak to everyone. But maybe just glean from that example that whatever decision you're making, like someone asked me, what do you think about organized sports? Or what do you think about sports in general? And, you know, I think sports are, are great. But, you know, doing organized, we know that organized sports uh, most of the time uh, require Saturdays. And, you know, I, I just don't believe that um, taking our children to organized sports on Shabbats is really making that part, that day set apart. And so that th- these are just some examples I've been giving you of just how you, we can int- you know, have introspection, look at our lives, and see if we're making the kingdom our primary concern. Because he says this, Seek first the kingdom of Elohim, so that should be your first and foremost, and his righteousness, which is his Torah, and all these things shall be added unto you. So it's like you're not going to, if you make him your primary concern and goal and focus, these other things are going to line up. I'm, I'm a witness that this will happen, and I know testimonies of many others that this does happen. These are not vain words. It's not just, this just sounded good, and so he's that he, you know, Messiah thought he'd just say these things. These are, these are words of life, and these are words that are real and true. It's really sometimes, I think, it, uh, whether you trust him or you don't. So, anyways, let's keep going back to Nazarim, chapter 8, verse 33. The crowd answered, Oh, Master, never failed to provide us with this bread. Yehusha said, I bring the bread of life. Whoever partakes of it will never hunger. I will bring the water of eternity, and whoever drinks of it will never thirst. All I am intended to receive from above, I will share with everyone who comes to me. Praise be to you. The power I have comes from heaven, and it is used not for my own ends, but to serve the purpose of he who gave it. This is what I was mentioning earlier, like, the gifts of the spirit that he gives. This is and so this is a reflection of the power I have comes from heaven and is used not for my own my own ends, but to serve the purpose of he who gave it. And I believe that he truly evaluates before he gives someone a gift, spiritual gift, to make sure that's not going to be used for their own ends, but to serve the purpose of he who gave it. His will is that I should waste no particle of what I have been given, but must account for it when my work is ended. For it is the will of he who invested me with authority and power that whoever has faith in me and believes in my cause, listen, putting my teachings into practice, this is an action, this requires action, will enjoy immortality and glory. But I thought this was really interesting, that it is his will that I should waste no particle of what I've been given, but must account for it when my work has ended. And I believe that uh, also applies to us what we've been given. And that goes back to the parable of the talents. One was given five, one was given two, and one won, each according to their abilities. So he he evaluates each of us and knows we have strength and, strengths and weaknesses. And obviously, um, you know, he can strengthen any of our weaknesses and those kind of things. But the point is, he knows, the potter knows the vessel and what it is good what kind of use it's good for. Um, but nevertheless, whatever he has given us, whether it be spiritual gifts um, or uh, just wisdom or understanding, we're all going to have to account for it. Just like the people, the, hopefully those of you that are listening have heard about the parable of the talents. To, to quickly go over it, um, 
One, one, one. There was three, three people. One, uh, one was given five uh, talents of gold. One was given two talents of gold, and one was given one. The guy with the five talents went out and uh, multiplied and gained five other talents. The guy with the two um, uh, gained two more talents to double what he had. And uh, so they, the first two did did well with what they had. The last person had one talent and was like afraid and and and, and you know afraid of of just afraid, and. Um, Yahusha called him a slothful and unprofitable servant and the talent was taken from him and given to the one that had 10 talents but the point I think behind that is there's going to be an accounting when he comes back of whatever measure he's given us and, and um, someone said this one time I, I, and this kind of rang true to me that we may not necessarily be judged on the amount that we do like it's not like it's a, it, it, but we'll be judged on what we were given in which which correlates to the scripture the Messiah says to whom much is given much is required and to whom little is given little is required so uh, again the accounting will, will we have to account for what we've been given and I want to turn to Nazarim chapter 3 verse 38 which says this I'm in the wrong chapter let's see is that right So, 41. That's definitely not the right. Um, oh, I think we're just there. No. Give me just a second. I put the wrong reference down. Please forgive me. Mm. Here we go. Forgive me. Well, um, I wrote the wrong reference down. Please forgive me, but uh, there, there is a there is a verse that talks about. Uh, oh, here we go. Talents of gold, spiritual gold. That's that's what I'm looking for. Okay, so there's a different chapter, verse thirty-eight. Okay, the improvident servant was unable to understand why the other has been given a gift of gift and freedom, while he was enslaved for being unable to repay. Why he who had money was given more, yet I say to you, this is the way the father who gives trusteeship of earth's bounty to his children. Likewise, they are given talents of spiritual gold. So let's just call it spiritual gifts, which are greater than any earthly silver. But these many choose to bury in the ground for them. The day of accounting must surely come. So we're going to be we're going to we're going to be we're going to have to account for what he's given us again, large or small. I believe we're going to be judged on what he's given us and what we did with that gift he's given us. And everybody, I believe, has something, large or small, doesn't matter. So back to Nostrum, chapter 8, verse 36. One of the power Shem said to Yahusha, Why do so many flock to hear you speak instead of going to the temples and places of assembly? And it reminds me, it's like, why do you think people should listen to you on YouTube rather than going to church where people have ordained pastors that have gone through seminary and teaching and have their doctorates? 
Why do they have to listen to someone speaking on the streets and hillsides when they could listen to those fully armed with knowledge of the Torah? So, Yahushua answered, I am too surprised so many seek to learn righteousness from me. Maybe because maybe they come because I am among those disinherited. Again, disinherited is like, re, like those of people who have been rejected, cast down, um, thrown away. Um, re, yeah, I'm among those disinherited. I'm one of the, the rejects, is what he's saying. People have rejected him. But before telling them what to do, put yourselves in their place. Can it be they find my teachings more sustaining and closer to their hearts? Many of the Ahodim were angry at the teachings of Yahusha, for he said, I have the true bread of life and of heaven. And they said, Is this not Yahusha, the Yahusha we know, the son of Yosef and Miriam, who are just ordinary people? So I, I can understand why people are coming out of the churches and being like, you know, I'm tired of, you know, an hour sermon where one or two verses is talked about and the rest of it is just like a prosperity gospel or just, you know, teaching that we're, I mean, teaching the very basics every day, every single week, you know, we're, we're saved by his blood. Like, praise Yah. But there's so much more to this and there's so much more to lo learn and grow in the faith. And so maybe people are tired of these cookie cutter, you know, um, cookie cutter sermons that honestly if you didn't know this when when um and those of you that have gone to maybe uh bible colleges or seminary you can corroborate this but from what i've heard from people that that that's uh, graduate they have like pre-packaged sermons um it's like a rolodex of like pre-packaged sermons that you can literally just like thumb through and be like oh, okay that's a good one and it's just like cookie cutter stuff and so i believe that kind of um that kind of system breeds spiritual apathy. And that's why I believe that a lot of the Sunday churches are dead. There's no there's no life. At least that's the report uh, that I've gotten from many people who have come out of the churches that have been kicked out or have become one of the disinherited, like Messiah, because they're like, they ask their pastor, what about the Sabbath? You know, and what about the book of Enoch? And, um, and the, of course, the different topics are, are, are abundant, but... Why are people reading the Bibles for themselves? And Yah's teaching them rather than learning from these quote-unquote scholars, these trained uh, professionals here, right? Just like the, the Pharisees asked, why are they listening to you in the streets when they could listen to those fully armed with the knowledge of the Torah? So again, people around are like, Yahushua's just this ordinary person. Uh, Nutsrim 8.39 Yahushua once said to them, Do not say things behind my back when you can say them to my face. I will draw no one away from your own teachings unless something greater inclines them towards me. But if it does, they are on their way to immortality. The prophets promised your forefathers that their descendants would receive instructions from Elohim. So can you not believe these things? Therefore, anyone Yahweh inclines towards me hears me speak with his voice. The people who joined the crowds about Yahushua filled him with compassion, for they were so anxious to find the Deliverer. They seemed pathetically helpless and lost like sheep without a shepherd. Yahushua said to his disciples, The seed planted was good, and there is a rich harvest ready for the cutting. But alas, the harvesters are few. Therefore, the overseer must be requested to send more men. The following day, Yahushua was seated among the trees near the house of Kepha, and with him were many disciples. 
And one said to him, Master, since the days of our fathers, many slaves have come into the land, great numbers having no slaves, being forced into brigandage, which is like thievery or like robbery. For other ways, they, otherwise they would starve. Are these men evildoers? So basically saying um, because of the economy, people are, are only able to feed themselves and their families by thievery. And the question is, are these men evildoers? Yahushua replied, what they do is not good and therefore must be evil. Why? Because it's transgression of the Torah. That shall not steal. But listen, but their wrongdoing may be great in the eyes of men. It is small in the eyes of Elohim compared with the evil done by those who stand by the deed. Many blameless in the eyes of men will not escape the judgment of eternity. To me, in a modern day context, that makes me think of um, people who are just completely beat down by the system and uh, the unfair system that they've created um, and how they've shrink, they're shrinking the middle class. And it's basically you have the, the haves and the haves nots. You have the rich and then you have the poor. And that's what they're trying to create. Um, and so what he's saying is because of this system that the quote unquote elite or the rulers of the world because of the system they've created it it you know some people are uh, put in that position where they think that you know theft is the only way they can survive which is, of course is not true um but he's saying that that them stealing to live is small compared to i believe the punishment uh, or the wrongdoing in the eyes of yahuwah uh, of those like um again the, just we'll just call it the ruling elite the people who, uh, you know, create the problem uh, and the reaction and the solution, the Hegelian dialect. They create this poverty problem and then they control the emotional reaction by everyone about it. And then they offer up the solution. It's part of this their continued slavery and control. And um, so anyways, this is obviously we see is not different than it was thousands of years ago. Um, but I also I forgot to just make a quick mention of verse 41. Um, just about the harvest ready for cutting, but the, har uh, the harvesters are few. And I'll, I'll hear, I'm here to tell you, Yahuwah needs workers in the field in, in so many different ways. And, um, you know, as, as I've said in, the, in time past, even just your testimony, uh, it's, you don't have to be, a, not everyone's called to be a teacher and to teach people and, and to be evangelists or, or not everyone's a healer, but everyone's got a, everyone has a position. Um, and we'll talk about that actually in a second. But um, we see here, again, the, the, the wrongdoing of the so-called elite or the rulers or the kings of the earth being much greater. And I want to share just Enoch 63 with you real quick. Um, In those days shall the mighty and the kings who possess the earth implore him, Messiah, to grant them a little respite, a little rest from his angels of punishment to whom they were delivered, that they might fall down and worship before Yahweh Sabot. So now that they're being punished... Uh, now they're ready to, you know, to, to say nice and kind words and confess their sins before him. And they shall bless and glorify Yahweh Sabaoth and say, blessed is Yahweh Sabaoth and the Lord of Kings and the, the Yahweh of mighty and the Yahweh of the rich and the Yahweh of glory and the Yahweh of wisdom and splendid in every secret thing is your power from generation to generation and your glory forever and ever. So now that their punishments come upon them, they're going to want, but it's going to be too late because one day, the door's going to be shut and it's going to be too late. Deep are all your secrets and innumerable and your righteousness is beyond reckoning. We have now learnt that we should glorify and bless Yahuwah of kings and him who is king over all kings. And they shall say, would that we had rest to glorify and give thanks and confess our faith before his glory. 
and now we long for a little rest, but find it not. We follow hard upon it and attain it not. Light has vanished from before us, and darkness is our dwelling place forever and ever. For we have not believed before him, nor glorified the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, nor glorified our Yahuwah. But our hope was in the scepter of our kingdom and in our glory. And in the day of our suffering and tribulation, he saves us not. And we find no respite for confession that Yahuwah is true in all his works and in his judgments and his justice and his judgments have no respect of persons. And we pass away from before his face on account of our works and all our sins are record, reckoned up in righteousness. And now they shall say unto themselves, our souls are full of unrighteous gain, but it does not prevent us from descending from the midst thereof into the burden of Sheol. And after that, their faces shall be filled with darkness and shame before that son of man. And they shall be driven from his presence, and the sword shall abide before his face in their midst. Thus spake Yahweh Sabaoth, This is the ordinance and judgment with respect to the mighty, and the kings, and the exalted, and those who possess the earth before Yahweh Sabaoth. So the point is, is they're going to get theirs. In the meantime, we can just be a people that <clears throat> is not just casting our teeth at, you know, at these ruling elite. And, and, and I know that we're supposed to expose darkness, but um, they're going to get theirs. They are going to get theirs. Don't you worry about that. In the meantime, we can just be Ezekiel 9 people and sighing and weeping and praying about the abominations that are being done, uh, well, in this country and all over the world. But don't you, don't you think for a second that Yahweh is not going to punish those people. So, all right, Nazarene 844. The disinherited, again, like the rejects, the castaways, the, the black sheep, uh, you know, um, the disinherited say, all things will change when Yahweh... Now, when I say black sheep, I mean like some people feel like they're the black sheep of their family because they've decided to stop doing Christmas and Easter and, and, and to start eating clean and to follow the, the commandments of the Most High. I would say that person becomes one of the disinherited. The disinherited say, all things will change when Yahweh wills it. But I tell you, listen to this, listen closely. I tell you, the Father will not do the work of his sons. The Deliverer comes to take men to their places of labor and will ease their burdens there, but he cannot undertake the whole of the task. He will initiate the rule or the kingdom of Elohim, but cannot force it upon men. He will teach them to judge the underprivileged justly and to deal harshly with the arrogant. The rich will be less rich and the poor less poor. He will point the feet of men towards the path of perfection, but cannot carry them along it. Earthly kings can drive men to fulfill their tasks, but no one can be driven along the path to glory. Only those who guide and lead can take men this way. This is a really awesome passage, by the way. Number one, again, he says, um, the father will not do the work of his sons. The deliverer, so Messiah comes to take men to their places of labor. Like here, this is your position. This is what you're supposed to be doing and will ease their burdens there but cannot undertake the whole of the task. We've got our job to do. Uh, we've read this in time past. This is from the book of Elijah, part of the Order of the Ancients uh, series. But in chapter 8, we've read this before, and I can't stop reading it. It says, Yahweh is Elohim of knowledge. By his word was everything made which was made, and he governs all things according to his infinite foreknowledge. Even before he created the heavens and the earth, he counseled with the hosts of heaven and planned a plan wherein the spirit of every man should have his appointed role. For the spirit of every man appeared before Yahweh of Sebaot in the beginning, and listen to this, and received a place appointed in the family of heaven and earth. 
When a man fills his appointed role, it is according to the glorious design of Yahuwah Sabaoth. And thus, so in doing this, as each one functions according to the divine plan, the work of Elohim is pushed toward its consummation. So it's like I've said before, I know I'm repetitive sometimes, but sometimes we need repetitive. The sooner that we get to our positions of duty, again, big, small, minuscule, whatever, we push the work of Elohim towards its consummation. I don't know about you, but I want to be in New Jerusalem. So let's get to work. So, anyways. He will point the feet of men toward the path of perfection, but not cannot carry them along it. So it's just like in modern day Christianity, it's like, it's not about our works. It's only about, you know, his works. And we trust in his works. It has nothing to do with my works. So that's actually completely false. And this verse says that he will point the feet of men towards the path of perfection, but he cannot carry them along it. We've got to walk that walk too. We've got to walk like he walks. We have to pick up our cross and follow him. That's what this verse is saying. Earthly kings can drive men to fulfill their tasks like Pharaoh and them, right? More bricks, more bricks. But no one can be driven along the path to glory. So this isn't like, you know, only those who guide and lead can take men this way. Awesome passage. Okay. Uh, I think we got a little bit more and we're going to be finished up about maybe 10, 11 more verses. And we'll be finishing up uh, this chapter and this uh, study. So Nazarene 8.45. I bring the light and the light is a good tree bearing beneficial fruit. But fruit on the tree of darkness is consistent with conditions about its roots. For all trees are rooted in darkness, but the good tree transmutes the things of darkness into the things of light. Now, this is maybe not the easiest passage to understand on the surface value, but there's a passage in the um, Testament of Benjamin that I think really um, complements this verse and I think explains it a little better. And, but, but from a physical perspective, it's saying all trues, trees are rooted in darkness. That doesn't mean... In a spiritual sense, we're all just rooted in darkness and we just can't help it. That's not what it's saying. But listen to this. This is Testament of Benjamin, chapter 2. And do ye, my children, flee evil doing, envy, and hatred of brethren, and cleave to goodness and love. He that has a pure mind in love looks not after a woman with a view to fornication, for he has no defilement in his heart, because the spirit of Elohim rests upon him. Now listen, this is the verse I want to read. Think about this carefully. For as the sun is not defiled by shining on dung and mire, but rather dries up both and drives away the evil smell, so also the pure mind, though encompassed by the defilements of earth, rather cleanses them and is not defiled in itself. So it's like even though the, the roots of trees are in darkness, it takes the things from darkness and turns them into things of light. So in a very parallel way, um, so just for example, like, you know, let's say your dog goes to the bathroom on the, on the grass and it's just sitting there. Well, as you know, over time, the sun literally dries it out and the stink goes away. So us people, even though we are encompassed by the defilements of the earth, let's call it the darkness. So even though we're encompassed by the dark, dark things of this world, we're not tainted by them, but rather cleanses them and is not itself defiled. Another passage just reminds me of is 2 Ezra's chapter 2. And you get a vision here of the 144,000 in the great multitude. And it says here, 
flee from the shadow of this age or flee from the darkness of this age. So even though, again, even though we're encompassed by darkness, even though we're encompassed by the defilements of the earth, darkness, we rather cleanses them and is not defiled. So we're not tainted by the things around us. Because again, if we're called to be the light, we can't just completely just shelter ourselves from the outside world. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. So not tainted by the things around us. Rather shining light and being a beacon in a lighthouse to other people. So really like that verse. And of course, a fruit bearing tree, light, these are all um, these are all parallels with defining terms in the Bibles that we get in the Bibles, in the Bible Bible uh, scriptures that we get like Proverbs six twenty three and then um, of course Psalm one one through three. Proverbs six twenty three, it says the law is light. And then we also see a little bit later uh, the person who delights in the law and in the, in the Torah does he meditate day and, day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So this is how we can make these connecting verses here. Fruit, light, trees. We understand what's going on here. Okay, uh, 846 of Nazarene. A disciple said to Yahushua, Master, you say harsh things about the rulers and those in high places, but do not seek to arm us against them. Surely the day of arming comes soon. So they're like, isn't it time for a revolt? Like the Maccabees did, you know? Yahushua answered, a, physi um, a physician is called to treat the sickness, and a healthy man does not require his attentions. The good in men I strengthen, but leave, uh, but leave untouched. It is the evil I seek out to destroy. Were it not for the strength of those who govern, there would be no peace in the land. So this is like, um, this is kind of interesting because they're basically like, hey, can't we just like, take over the government and like lead a re revolution and just get rid of these people that are ruling over us. So it says, were, were it not for the strength of those who govern, there would be no peace in the land. Man would strive with man and there would be murder and pillage everywhere. It would be like the sea where big fish feed on the small and nothing is there to prevent it. Therefore, if a murderer, Murder, if murder and robbery are kept from your door, pay due homage to those who stand guard. And this is kind of interesting because um, this has been a topic of discussion for uh, a lot of people. And, and I'm not settled on the matter, but it has to do with, you know, coming out of Babylon and, and these different things. And from what I understand, and, and I'm open to being wrong, from what I understand from the words of Peter, from Paul and Messiah, is that we're not living in a time of uprising against the government's and that all governments are established by Yah, even if they're not um, the best people and have the best agendas. Revelation seventeen seventeen says this, and it's in re it's in relation to the kings of the earth. Revelation seventeen seventeen says this: For Elohim has put in their hearts the kings of the earth to fulfill His will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of Elohim shall be fulfilled. So, uh, people who are in office today are in office on purpose, whatever, to serve Yahweh's purpose. And so my point is, um, I feel at this time I've called to be a law-abiding citizen, law citizen, to obey the laws of man, except in the case where it would cause me to break one of Yah's commandments. Perfect example, um, Daniel. Was he like an anarchist and went against everything, you know, even if it wasn't, you know, whatever? 
I believe he was a law-abiding citizen until the day came where he was no longer allowed to pray. And of course, he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to that law. Or much like we talked about in the last couple couple years, is that, you know, I, I said publicly that I, I'm I'm here. I believe to follow the laws because it says we're supposed to be blameless in the sight of Elohim and men. How can we be good witnesses if we're just, uh, you know, anarchists basically? And and if our mentality was anti-government or or down with the government, um, but. Um, like like we talked about uh, several times in the last couple of years with the whole um, pandemic thing, you know, if they were to make a law that mandated that they would have to inject something in our body, well, I'm not following that, right? So I believe to follow the laws of man, except for when it would cause us to break um, Yahweh's commandments. So here, Messiah is like, he says, were it not for the strength of those who govern. So he's talking literally about Rome at this point, even though Rome is not a was not a um, Yah-fearing community. They were over Yah's people and they were there for a reason. And we have not been taken out of that sort of um, oversight since that day. Uh, I believe America is like a Rome 2.0. And we're very much like the disciples were 2,000 years ago, uh, not living in a society fully ran by Yah's Torah and still have these these governments and overseers over us. Uh, are they perfect? No. Um, but he, where he says here, it says, um, without, with their, without these governments, there would be no peace in the land. Now, again, I'm not sitting here saying that there's not corruption and lots of different evil things happening, but overall... If there was no police force, if there was no fire, you know, firefighting, if there was, um, there would be, it would just be straight lawlessness in the streets. Man would strive with man. There would be, there would be murder and pillage everywhere. You'd have roving gangs just, you know, have you seen like what's happening in, in, in some of these third world countries where literally, uh, um, mercenaries and, um, whoever is just like, leading the country by, you know, by rape and pillage and, and murder. So man would strive with man and there would be murder and pillage everywhere. It would be like the sea where the big fish feed on the small and nothing is there to prevent it. Now, again, I also would say that um, this still is this still is kind of happening, that there are these big fish that swallow up uh, the poor, you know, at, at their will. But so he says, therefore, if murder and robbery are kept from your door, pay due homage to those who stand guard. I will tell you, in my former life, I didn't like police officers. I was just, and I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the music I was listening to at the time. Um, some of you that grew up in the 80s and 90s would probably understand with, uh, you know, the kind of music that was very prevalent in those days. Um, and maybe still is. I don't listen to worldly music, so I'm not sure what they're singing about now. But I used to have a very negative uh, perspective of cops, uh, police officers. But now... Um, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, again, even though there is uh, corruption and, and these kind of things in a small scale overall, I'm thankful that there's a police force. I'm thankful that um, people get pulled over for going way too fast. I'm thankful that people get warnings for running through a red light because that could that could kill somebody. Um, and, and of course, it goes on. And I know some of you this you may totally disagree with me and that's OK. Uh, I, I you have at least uh, you should know how I feel Um about the situations that we live in. And so that's why Messiah, I believe, says, uh, give unto Caesar um, what's due unto Caesar. I, you know, that's why I pay taxes, and that's why um, I want to follow the laws of man that aren't in, in, um, in um, or against the Torah, or against the Torah of the Most High. So, 
that was an interesting little rabbit trail. So, uh, so the whole whole concept behind this is, Master, you say harsh things about the rulers and those in high places, but do not seek to arm us against them. Surely the day of arming is coming soon. So again, the whole precept here is is revolt. And if, so verse 48, and if an evil king be guarded by a thousand good men, should these be slain to kill the king? Is it not best to first take the good men away from the service of the king, bringing them into your own ranks? Those who serve evil, though powerful and wily, are cowards and hide behind the arms of better men. Therefore, by killing the brave men, are you not adding evil to evil? No. First, bring the good and brave men to your side, and then let events happen as they will. And so, this to me is he's like, those people are going to get theirs. They're going to get their recompense, the repayment. The the rulers of the earth, the elite, the people who are doing sick things behind the scenes, especially with children and and blood and all these different things, they're going to get theirs. But Messiah is telling us that this is not a time for revolt. This is not a time for taking up arms and uh, going against these people. Those events will happen. Uh, let the events happen as they will when it happens in the end times. Until then, he's like, instead of um, instead of rising up as a revolt and you know killing all these people in the meantime, well, he's saying a lot of these people are good people. Let's let's bring them to our cause. These people that are serving, and so in in a modern day sense, um, you know, is uh, is America a righteous nation? No, I don't believe it is. Uh, and so uh, maybe some of you have friends or family in the military that are just serving because they think they're doing the right thing they have no clue would it be righteous thing to like kill them to take over this country well no of course not and so what messiah is saying is let's bring these people in uh let's bring these people into the faith and that's much like when the disciples were like master should we call down fire upon these people much like elijah did and messiah is like we're not here to kill we're here to save and i believe that's the example that we're following even to this very day this is not a time of taking up arms um but this is a time of, of sharing the good news of the kingdom and being fr- fruitful and multiplying. So, uh, Book of Nazarene, chapter 8, verse 49. A young disciple who became an apostle said, You speak about bread unlike other bread, but the meaning is not clear to me. Tell me again about it. Yahushua said, I will tell you with, with certainty. He who follows my cause wholeheartedly will gain eternal life. For I have the bread of immortality. The bread I give forms part of my being, and I share it for the good of the world. Many have the grains. Listen to this. Many have the grains, but these are yet to be ground and baked. So they have the substance, but some people aren't making use of what they have. Much like the word is the seed, but it's only the doers of the word that will be justified. Unless, therefore, you can partake of my substance and become like me, you cannot gain immortality in glory so this is very very parallel to the par- the parable of the sower in matthew 13 yet what i yet what i can do you can do also what i have become you can become and we know this that paul says clearly that we are going to be co-heirs with messiah and there's many passages that state that can you imagine being a co-heir with messiah well if you want that you we've got to do what he does and that's why I love this book because it makes it a lot clearer of what he actually did. I do not ask men to follow a path I would not travel myself. And that's what a good leader does. A good leader is in the trenches and has been in the trenches. So he knows how to teach his soldiers about being in the trenches. 
and that of course that's just a um, parable to many different things but he is that good leader that has walked the walk and that's why it was really important that a few i think a few portions ago we we clarified the scripture said very clearly that he came down as a man and he had the frailties of man. He had to deal with um, the inner struggles, the inner toils in, in the mind uh, about failure, about fear, um, about hunger, about thirst, about pain, um, all these different things. He's walked the walk and so he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done. Neither is there anything in me not inherent in you. As I am, I am the true fruit of food of men and the power of life flowing in me is their true drink. So much like he was re, uh, refreshment or nourishment to people, he in a similar way, he's called us to be the salt of the earth. We should make life more flavorable for people. Not that we're here to entertain people. That's not the, what I'm saying. But we should have, we should be the seasoning of life. We should be good examples. We should be loving. We should be caring. We should be nurturing. We should take care of the sick and the, the blind and the maimed and the, the elderly and the widow and the orphan and be good examples in this way and be flavor to life. I come with special gifts and authority from above clothed with the living Ruach and I express life as I do because of the powers within me. So it will be with those who partake of my bread. Many of those with Yahushua could not hold these things in their hearts, for they were not easily understood, but one recorded them. Some hearing these teachings said, these words are not easy to understand and difficult to accept. And in the, in the, this is in the John 6 parallel where he's like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no, no life within you. And people are like, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Yahushua said, so you find difficulty in accepting what I say. Suppose you could see me communicating with my place of origin. So he's like, suppose you could see me communicating with heaven. Would you believe then? But the eyes of the flesh cannot see the things intended only for the eyes of the Ruach. The Ruach contains the power of life and the flesh of itself can see or do nothing. The words I have spoken concern only the life holding Ruach and I have not referred to worldly matters. But still, you do not understand. I know you are perplexed and confused by my teachings. That is why I said something greater must speak internally uh, to incline you towards me. And in another way, he says that we can't come to him unless the Father first draw him. So the Father, this, the Spirit first draws. From this day, many disciples and followers no longer heeded him. It is written in the holy books of the Yahudim. In the last days of unrighteousness, I will send forth a firebrand to consume the world with fire. Then each man shall know the fullness of his own nature, and his reward shall be according to his measure. So let's uh, let's see, let's read the John six parallel, and I think we're gonna finish up uh, with that. So uh, the one thing I just want to mention, he's like the, what I can do, you can do. Um, let's, let's not forget the Messiah is the express image of the father. So what his expectations are, his love, his caring, his nurture, his teaching, his doctrine, Messiah is the perfect embodiment and example of what the father's expectations are. Um, and so let's not forget. So he's the image of the father. And let's not forget what we are created in. Genesis 1.26. And Elohim said, let us make man in our image. Now, I know there's lots of discussion on this. I believe this is the father and the son. Father talking to the son. Hey, son, let's make man in our image. Because if you look at the Hebrew, it's plural. 
after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So Elohim created man in his own image. So again, Messiah is the image. We were created to be in the image of Elohim. In the image of Elohim created he him male and female created he them. Now, of course, uh, Adam and Eve lost a, 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 a portion of that when they transgressed and fell out of the out of um, the the garden. But I think the whole story is the whole story is going back to the garden, which I believe is New Jerusalem, uh, and going back to becoming the image of Elohim. And we do that by our perfect example of Messiah, who is that image. And that's why he can plainly say, yet what I can do, you can also do. What I've become, you can become. And uh, John says this, uh, I think in First John 3, he says, um, uh, brothers and sisters, um, how about I just read it and not butcher it? Now are we the sons of Elohim? But it does not yet appear what shall be. What we, we shall appear, we shall be like him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Elohim. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Now, beloved, now are we the sons of Elohim, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see as he is. So, um, in, in a prophetic sense, he says, what I have become, which is an eternal being, you can become as well. That's the truth, right? The eternal life. So, uh, anyways, so let's read the John 6 parallel and then we're going to finish up uh, with the study. So we finished Nazarene chapter 8. We're going to read the John 6 parallel. So a lot of the stuff we read, let's read the, the John parallel. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has Elohim the Father sealed. When they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of Elohim? Yehusha answered and said to them, This is the work of Elohim, that you believe on him whom he has sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign do you show then that we may see and believe you? What do you work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Yehusha said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of Elohim is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Master, evermore give us this bread. And Yahushua said unto them, I am the bread of life. He's the word. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And so to me, again, this just clearly shows that he was an eternal being that came down as a man and resurrected back as an eternal being. And this is the Father's will, which he has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And remember, believing on him is not just believing that he existed and he died and was resurrected for our sins. Be believing on him is to actually follow his teachings. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Yahusha, the son of Yosef, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? Yahushua therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of Elohim. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of Elohim, he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Yahushua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eats of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Then Yahushua knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. And he said unto them, Does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The works that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there, are some of, there are some of you that believe not. For Yahushua knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by my father, of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Yahushua unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that you are that Messiah, the son of the living Elohim. Yehusha answered him, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Um, remember he said that I am the life. Deuteronomy thirty fifteen through 20 See, I have set before you this day life and good, and death and evil, and that I command you this day to love Yahweh Elohim, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And Yahweh your Elohim shall bless you in the land where you go to possess it. But if your heart turn away, so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other Elohim and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land where you go where you pass over the Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your seed may live, that you may love Yahweh Elohim, and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which Yahweh swore unto your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give it to them. Praise be to Yahweh. Brothers and sisters, I pray that the study might have been a blessing for you in some way, shape, or form. That is my, my goal, uh, is to um, understand these truths, to walk in them myself, and to share them with you. And um, I just pray that it can be continue to be a blessing for you. And I thank the, the Most High for allowing us to have this platform uh, and um, 
to spread the good news. I would ask for your prayers uh, for the next phase of this ministry, the next step in this ministry, um, which I'm very thankful. My my wife is working very hard, um, working to look into a software that we're looking to um, not just transcribe a lot of our teachings, um, but or studies, but actually dub over in some of the most uh, prevalent voices or, or uh, uh, languages, um, i.e. Um, <clears throat> Spanish, Portuguese, um, uh, we were talking about Korean, um, Filipino, or tag- Tagalog, Tagalog, um, and uh, perhaps Russian and German. So please pray for us um, that this would be the Most High's will and that it would be done. And blessings to you. Let's just pray real quick. Father Yahuwah, we just bless you and praise you for this time uh, that you've given us to study. We thank you so much for all that you do. And we just ask that you continue to give us of your Ruach, that we may walk in your ways in spirit and truth and sincerity. In Yahushua's name we pray. Amen. One quick announcement. Um, just want to let you all know, uh, July 7th, 8th, and 9th, we're going to have a uh, Hebraic music festival. We're going to call it Hebrew Fest. Um Still working on the lineup as of right now, um, but Left and Right Ministries will be there. The S Steps, uh, Ashira, Rose, and Jake and I with Simply Prodigal and our band will be there as well and working on some others. So if you want to come out here to Southwest Missouri and worship and praise, it'll be like a, it's on a campground, so there'll be like a place to bring your tent or your, or your RV or camper or whatever and um, hang out for a week and uh, praise and worship the Most High. So if that's interesting to you, mark your calendars, July 7th through 8th. There'll be a lot more information coming out about it soon. So that's, it's just basically an announcement now. We're working on some of the details. So with that, we'll do a song uh, that Jake and I were led to do called Light Shine. And um, blessings to you. In Yahushua's name, Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you in the Torah portion in about 15 minutes. Oh, more. 